0: All right, in the midst of uh, um, the watermelon crawl out there, um, it has to be the watermelon crawl. I'm allergic to watermelon, if you guys didn't know. Every single melon. Um, pray with me, would you? Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray that we just uh, get illuminated by something new today. And Father, I pray that the, um, that the beets outside just expounds the word even more into our hearts and the rhythms and i know some people might have high heart rates so it kind of matches the high heart rates father i just pray that uh, you calm our spirits and teach us what we know not give us what we have not and make us who we are not for jesus's name and for his sake watermelon i'm just kidding amen okay so i remember being at this church in israel i remember walking into this church and all of a sudden, it's huge plexiglass, glass floor. It's just, I could see down below. And what was really cool, what was down below was the remnants of Peter's house. It was in the city of Capernaum where I was looking and I could almost smell the dust. I could smell the stories. I could smell who this man was, because I read about him. I knew everything about Peter and his life and who he was. And it was kind of a shock. I did not know walking into the city of Capernaum, you walk through a synagogue first that is still there. And in Mark 1, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus came from Nazareth and taught in the synagogue there. And that was that synagogue. I walked through it, I was able to teach something from that. um, But then all of a sudden, I'm I'm in this church and I'm looking at Peter's house. And if you guys know anything about me, I have a theater of the mind. I'm a narrative storyteller. And I'm like, I'm just imagining all the stories happening. Within the house, maybe some arguments, maybe some dinners, maybe some um, just conversations. And literally 20 steps into the town, the synagogue, 20 steps later is Peter's house. And 20 steps farther is the Sea of Galilee. And I just remember leaving this, this, this church. It was a little church, but it was the coolest thing ever because the sanctuary, imagine where you guys are sitting, is the glass and you look below and it's Peter's house and it's kind of built up on these um, platforms and it's just really cool and I just, I just had a moment. And because the same man who denied Jesus, the same man who got found by uh, Jesus and his brother Andrew fishing, go ahead and cast your net on the side of the boat. He's a disbelief kind of person and he was kind of arrogant, kind of uh, reckless, people would say. But this man also, at the end of his life, some radical contrast happened. Radical black and white happened. Or this man denied Jesus. All of a sudden, he told Jesus he loved him three times. And then all of a sudden, he's in prison telling us to grow in grace. To grow in grace. And I'm like, what on earth does that even mean? And we're just kind of going on a journey of growing in grace and what that means from Peter's life and I know for me um, when I hear these stories of growing in grace I think again I think last week I kind of had posed the question if I ask you guys a certain question how many of us would be kind of in line with what grace is if I lined you guys up what is grace to you I think we would, I would hope we'd have similar answers and but when when uh, Peter says grow in grace I just can't imagine, like, I'm just transported, right? You know, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Right by that city was Mount, Mount Arbel. It was a mountainside, hillside, and it's biblically proclaimed that's where Jesus went up and prayed on the mountainside um, early in the morning. And we got the opportunity to go up there and actually sit where Jesus prayed and overlook the whole Sea of Galilee. And I still had, the, I still had Peter's uh, life in mind, and I'm like, Who is this peter because i relate to him reckless okay um but i just had these had these moments where this dude's in prison at the end of his life in his epistles and he told us to grow in grace and the knowledge of our lord jesus christ and i don't know about you guys but if it wasn't for grace in my life and if you guys don't know what grace is we're going to get into it but if it wasn't grace for grace in my life i I probably tell most of you guys all the time, like, man, I kind of live a life like I should be dead because I should be. I don't know how many times I drove drunk or was reckless at bar fights or was just completely different person. Um, And grace, grace changed my entire life. And we live in a world, like I want to ask you guys a question. Um, We live in a world that's gonna completely contradict this question. Like when are we all Christians going to actually start believing the words in the Bible? When are we going to actually read these words and actually believe it to be true in our own life? For some reason, we are so bombarded with news and TikToks and all this stuff and these current events on what the new app is, what, X? Twitter got changed to X or something. Um, We're bombarded with stuff like, how on earth do you believe in this book when all this is going on? Like, when are you going to actually start believing that these are true? When are you going to actually believe? Because we, are get, we get so wrapped up in our own life, and I know I can get wrapped up in the worries, in my job, in, my, in the church, even the logistics and the steps in the church I get wrapped up in. I'm like, oh yeah, let's remember grace. Because it reminds me of a story of a, an old pastor who passed away, and, um, oh, Thomas knows, uh, Grandpa Owen, or Rowan, sorry, um, passed away, and he was a pastor on a board, and they was having all these theological, doctrinal conversations about ecclesiology and, you know, all this stuff, big fancy words, and he goes, hold up, wait a minute. Let me be a person, a Christian, a pastor, a minister of the gospel by just remembering that Jesus died for me, and I'm probably going to tell others about that. That's it. And I love those little reminders, and I just want to remind us of grace today. Grace. And I have a mission statement that I'm going to pop up a couple times, um, and it's going to something I might want us to memorize a little later, but it's this. Grace means there is nothing you can do that will make God love you more. And grace means there is nothing that you can do that will make God love you less when on or i'm going to back that up with scriptures a couple pieces of scripture we're going to go over but when are you going to actually believe that when are you going to actually believe that and i want you guys to turn to second peter second peter raise your hand if you've been in second peter in the last year hey you guys are super spiritual second peter we just got one verse hallelujah but more later. I just want you to hear from Peter. At this moment in Peter's life, he is in prison at the end of his life. Doesn't he get crucified upside down? Yeah. He gets crucified upside down. He's in prison writing this letter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Verse 18. Verse 18. You know what, let's read 17. I just, you know, I just want us to read, you know, because there's the therefore, right? Uh, let me pray for Scripture really quick uh, while you guys are turning there. Second Peter chapter 3, 17 and 18. Uh, Father, we just thank you for Scripture. We thank you that we so freely get to open it. Father, just illuminate something from Scripture. May the Holy Spirit teach us and guide us. Amen. Amen. Verse 17, it says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been therefore been forewarned, Be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. Verse 18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forevermore. So many different translations just say, but grow in grace. How do you grow in grace? I just want to go over those two words, grace and knowledge. How do we grow in grace? in knowledge and grace in the lord jesus christ how do we do that first i just want to give you the definition of grace grace is the basis for the christian faith if you don't understand grace you do not understand christianity we believe we are saved by faith through grace god's grace is usually defined as undeserved favor grace cannot be earned it is something that is freely given we count on god's grace And the bridge he built in a relationship with him. So raise your hand if you came to God on your own merit and your own effort. Anybody? Zeke? No? He almost raised his hand. So undeserved favor, grace. There's a there's a couple quotes I want to give you guys. Grace is not merely the way God draws us to him in the beginning. It is also the way we grow and stay in our steadfastness. We we can never grow apart from the grace and the knowledge of our Lord. And we can never grow or outgrow God's grace. So long story short, we can never do something that will diminish God's grace and we can never do anything that we can outgrow God's grace. If we feel like we've made it to the pinnacle of Christianity or the just the mountaintop of Christianity, we also realize that there's another n- another uh, another um, mountainside to climb. We never grow out of God's grace. Charles Spurgeon says this, but you will remark that our text does not say anything about grace growing. It does not say that grace grows. It tells us to grow in grace. There is a vast difference between grace growing and our growing in grace. God's grace never increases. It is always infinite. So it cannot be more, it is always everlasting. It is always bottomless. It is always shoreless. It cannot be more and in the nature of God, it cannot be less. The text tells us to grow in grace. We are in the sea of God's grace. We cannot be in a deeper sea but let us grow now, we are in it. So grace always is infinite, it never changes and there's nothing you could ever do to get out of grace or to earn grace. It is, again, it is a bottomless and it is always shoreless. Um, So number one, we just learned what grace was and I just wanna like, okay, how do we grow in grace? How do we grow in knowledge? So the word knowledge refers to examples of truths and commands that God wants us to know, believe, and heed. Knowledge, knowledge. We must also grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. This means knowing more about Jesus, but more importantly, knowing Jesus in a personal relationship. And I sat with this all week, you know, uh, or two days ago with Instagram, right Garrett? No, it it was all week. It was kind of, I think it was a couple of weeks of this word grace. And I have to attribute it to like, okay, how do we grow in grace? How do we grow in knowledge? And biblically, the only uh, result and the only um, exit I could you know, come to was that we have to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the love God has for you, individually and for us as a church. We have to grow in the knowledge of the love the Lord has for you. If you think of something else, maybe you have some cool ideas you can share with me after, but I can only come to a conclusion. How do we grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Of course, we can learn about who he was and what his miracles did, and, but in reality, he did all of this, the ministry, because for God so loved the world. So the more we grow in the love that God has for us, The more we understand grace, the more we understand knowledge, and the more we want more of it, right? Could you imagine? There's an analogy like a tadpole, big fat head, skinny little body, right? There's a lot of theologians, a lot of people that have filled themselves up with knowledge of God and doctrinally and just like, I am now a walking theologian, reformed Baptist, you know, with their tie and stuff like that. can grow with the big fat head of knowledge but then all of a sudden they get to a table and they get to church and their head just hits the floor and they can never carry themselves because they're the big fat tadpole um and what what the 18-inch journey teaches us from our head to our heart we have to grow not only in the knowledge but also in the love down to the heart making the traverse like traversing ourselves down downwards from the heart or from the head to the heart and growing in both areas and the only way i can think of it is like oh my goodness every time it pointed me back to the crucifixion and what does the crucifixion point to the love he had for us so the more you grow in the love that god has for you the more you grow in grace the more you grow in knowledge you just have to come to that conclusion i know it's kind of a very very simple but it's not it's not i think i'm going to spend the rest of my life figuring out the implications of the notions that the lord jesus died for me and the love that it took for that because i know i can i can't i know i'm not speaking only on my behalf but if it wasn't for jesus and ministry and giving me a purpose and passion transforming my life radically i know some of you guys feel the same way because you'd be lost you'd be without community and you would be without what love you'd be without love we were made to love and to be loved we were made to be to love and to be loved and one of the most profound scriptures most popular it might be some of you guys' favorites uh, romans chapter 8 let's understand grace a little bit more Uh, we're going to go romans chapter 8 verse 37 to 39 37 to 39, grace, grace. Again, with that mission statement today, you guys, um, grace means there is nothing you can do that will make God love you more. And grace means there's nothing that you can do that will make God love you less. How many of you guys walked in here today, walking through your weeks, thinking God doesn't love you because you didn't read your Bible, you didn't listen to worship music, you didn't journal, and you didn't get your latte in the morning and have quiet time. (laughs) It's really coming back to the fact that it's nothing that we can do. Okay? Grace means that we are so His beloved that He lavishes His love upon us. And what we do when we sit down in quiet time, we create a relationship with Him and we grow in the knowledge of the love He has for us. We don't do it to earn anything. And Romans chapter 8 says, verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will, able, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can I get an amen for Romans 8? Nor anything else, nor anything else that can create or separate you. Not anything someone has ever said to you or mistreated or anything in the past, future, future, or even today. There's nothing that will separate you from the love of God. And we gotta just we gotta stop per- performing because what what does Ephesians say? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. That fancy word of justification, right? Once you said, Jesus, I accept the free gift, I accept the free gift. Justified. Son, daughter, there's nothing you can do. I'm serious. There's nothing you can do. You'd be surprised the amount of messages or the things that I do on my counseling calls or anything that people think that since they did something in a nature of evil or sin or anything that all of a sudden god doesn't love them anymore and a very powerful analogy if you guys want to be taught on how to preach grace is just we have to go you know i'm going to give you an analogy right here first time i'm using a prop amen Amen. look at this chair okay so just imagine that this is a this is so fun I've never done this before okay this is a dinner table yum okay word of God bread bread of life okay if you want to learn this is how you learn how to do grace okay upon others everyone in your life there's a a dinner table and here's a chair and all you say there's a chair for you that's it that's literally all it ever is, and that's all it will ever be, is you will have a seat at the table of our Lord Jesus. And it's up to us to pull the chair. It's not to say, oh, you gotta clean and wash yourself up first, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to come and like, do a Bible study, you have to check all the lists to get baptized, you have to do all these things. No, we pull out the chair and say, there's a seat for you at the Father's house. Father's dinner, the master's banquet, the glorious meal of our Lord Jesus. There's nothing. That we, there's nothing. We don't have to do anything else. We pull the chairs open and remind people, and even if they don't believe it, like, I don't belong in that chair. I don't belong at the dinner. I don't belong at communion. And we have to remind them through grace given to us, like the unforgiving servant parable. We have been forgiven, so we forgive much. So say, hey, <clears throat> there's a seat. you at the table amen so make it simple so again i ask you when are you going to actually start believing in the grace of the lord jesus christ there has been and there always will be a seat for you at the dinner table always no matter what you did i know it's hard it's very hard sometimes to come to the throne of grace and asking for grace and mercy from our lord jesus it's always first peter first john always talks about that big time try to be confident in approaching god's grace or throne of grace and just take a seat take a seat so again i ask you when are you going to actually start believing in the grace of god and if it's your first time here loved ones um we sit for 10 minutes we sit for 10 minutes and we we just We just focus on something and I'm going to pop that, yeah, I'm going to pop that up and almost, if you want to accompany something um, with a scripture, you do that at the the end of Romans eight and you open that up right now and you meditate on this and say, you know what? Today is the day I'm actually going to believe what the Bible says. How many Christians and how many of us leave these doors and all of a sudden, get hit with the worries of life again and don't believe what this says. So may we just take 10 minutes, focus on this, focus on grace, focus on the fact that you have a seat at the table. I'll be back in 10 minutes. As the party goes. Amen, amen, amen. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, grace, And if we as a church walked out of this church today and actually really understood the grace upon our souls, on our hearts and our minds, and all of a sudden overflowed that understanding of grace on others, I feel like a lot of life change can happen. The only reason most of our lives have changed in the Lord Jesus is because of grace. I don't want to end it. You know. I invite you guys back up. Y'all, y'all, talented musicians, stuff like that. You know, I'm not, I don't envy you guys at all. I don't, nope. I would never want to sing and play worship and just jam out and not sound like a dying horse. Um, anyways, that was an inner dialogue. I don't know why I shared that with you guys. Um, I want to end it with a quote. It's just a simple bridge of a song called Wild and Free by Jason Upton. And with it, I think he, I felt like he wrote it based off Romans 8, the end that you guys read. And it says, we're shaped and formed by the hand of God. No height, no depth could ever separate us. The greater the distance, the greater the distance, the greater the love. So if you feel like far from God today, you feel like you're not as close as you should be. Just remember that all you have to do is remind yourself that He hasn't moved. And we just have to take a seat at the table once again and understand you know what, Father? I accept your grace, I accept your forgiveness. And just talk to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, the transformation, our salvation and the cross may we leave tonight as Christians and as families of brothers and sisters that understands grace a little bit more and may they teach someone what they learned tonight this week father may we hold truth in the midst of our anxiety and our depression of the future and the past May we stay in today and really understand that your grace says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has its problems of its own. May we stay in today. May we understand grace today, but never forget that your grace is infinite. And it is shortless. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.